today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Hey, hey wait, 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 wait. Uh, Jeff, this is my podcast. Oh, sorry. Today what? on where are we? <laughs> we are actually today on superhero ethics, but we do have both Jeff Randall and Matthew Carroll here uh, from the MCU cast to help us discuss when Uncle Ben says, "With great power comes great responsibility." Is he right? All that and more after this commercial break. We have no control over. Welcome back, everyone, to the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I'm Matthew, your host. As I mentioned, I'm joined by um, uh, both of the hosts of the uh, MCU cast, people who really helped get me started and become good friends, and people I've been really excited to talk to about this topic with. So, Jeff, Matt, how are we doing today? Doing well, man. Fantastic, sir. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Looking forward to this topic. Um, I know it's one um, on your cast, the MCU cast. You guys, every now and then, um, get into some of these questions, so it's excited to... uh, give you guys a chance just to really spend a couple hours just talking about this one. Um, and we're talking about today this question of, is Uncle Ben right? And we're going to expand it out, not just to be about that that general idea, but or, or not just about that specific thing he says, but really to go on this general idea of what is the responsibility of a hero? Or maybe put better, what's the responsibility of a powered person? If you wind up having superpowers either because you go for them or because you they are forced on you or they happen to you by accident does that give you the responsibility to to be a hero does it give you the responsibility to not make the same kind of romantic or family or career decisions someone else would make what what is it that we expect you to do and is that fair um so we're going to talk about some specifics let me start just with the general like what's your what's your guys thoughts on that general idea and, and what made you excited about wanting to talk about it today matt do you want to start so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, I, it gets into the like very core of what you believe uh, as immorality immor- in general. Like, what what do we all have responsibility to do with ourselves, just at all? You know, like right. even if with with any power, does responsibility come? Because we all have power, no matter what, uh, no matter what station you're in in life, you all have the ability. Uh, the vast majority of us have some ability to affect others, even if it's just with our attitudes or with our uh, whatever actions we can take. And what responsibility do we have for other to other people at all? Yeah. And so, like, I I want to I think as a society we function best when we have some responsibility to one another. Uh, but what where does it cross the line to where you're like you are responsible to do this thing? And when does it cross the line? back to like the society is controlling you and you have no freedom of choice yourself, you know? Right. Yeah. Like I, I like the idea of the, the general idea of responsibility, you know, that we have responsibility towards each other, but when does that become, you know, you're a woman, you're, you have a responsibility to, to have children and to make a nice home. You know, you're um, a man. So you have a responsibility to go do back, backbreaking labor to support a family, you know, um, Whatever it is, I mean, it doesn't have to be on gender lines, but yeah, there's a lot of ways in which the idea of responsibility can become a real kind of social pressure, as well as just, you know, does a superhero have to have that? Um, Jeff, what about you? Where, where, where do you come down on this? Well, I mean, you know, like like all of us, I grew up watching all of these uh, these superhero cartoons and and you know reading these things that are like, you know, you have to do or you have to do what you can to help society. Or if you have this greatness thrust upon you, it's like, it becomes your, your responsibility almost immediately to do good things with it. And like, 
when I was young, I just took that at face value of like, okay, yeah, sure. If, you know, I have to do what I can, I have to do my part. And, and that's a good thing to instill in a kid, I guess. But like, there does have to be like, it seems like there's no temperance with it. Yeah. And, and there needs to be a bit of a, you know, there's a bit more nuance in society now. And there's a bit more nuance just in, in the world. Uh, there always has been, but you know, being a little bit older than, you know, when I was growing up with those cartoons, like it's, I think it's our responsibility as adults to, to kind of have that introspection and that, and that, uh, that discussion within ourselves of challenging those, those moral, um, moral directions that we grew up with just to see like, is this right for me? And, and I think that this, this discussion uh, is you know it's a little bit more of a fun take on it with heroes <laughs> and whatnot, but you know it does it does have that that general uh, you know um, general outlook on life part to it that that is obviously going to come into it. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it, especially because you know I do this podcast because I think that as as fun and exciting as superhero stories are, and you know I'm never going to have to decide like you know. Do I use my web shooter or do I climb a building? You know, but I'm um, I, I think there are choices that we all have to make in our lives. And I like looking to these stories to see how do they influence ourselves. And, um, you know, I think today we're going to be kind of talking about it in terms of like, do superpowers make you more responsible than anybody else? But even in our own world, we have huge, huge variances of the different amounts of power different people have and what responsibility they do or don't have. Um I think a lot of um, the scene in Justice League, one of my the few moments in that movie I really love, where the Flash asks Batman, "So what's your superpower?" and he just looks at him and goes, "I'm rich," um, <laughs> because it, 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 they're kind of saying like in that world, yeah, that that kind of is a superpower as it is in ours, um, as different kinds of uh, all sorts of things can be. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting way to kind of to, to to dive into all this, um, and I think it's particularly interesting because and. I, you guys really look into the MCU more than I do, but my sense is, as someone who's watched almost all of it, it seems like this is an issue that, that the the MCU, especially in this recent versions, has really been exploring. Um, a lot of the Netflix shows went into this, especially with characters like Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, who really kind of didn't want to have this responsibility and really fought against it. Um, and I think there's been other characters we've seen and, and like, some of the villains are ones who seem to feel this responsibility almost a little bit too much. Um, Matt, I know you pointed out uh, Fisk is someone who seems to believe that, that his great power c- brings great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do you think like the MCU has been kind of particularly exploring this, these questions? Uh, uh, I think absolutely. I do still think, as we mentioned, it's pretty one-sided. Uh, I think it, 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 it believe the Marvel universe believes in the Spider-Man principle, not surprisingly. Right. Um, I don't think we get much uh, with the ex- with the one very very notable exception. I guess sp- we're spoiler alert for all the MCU, including Endgame. Uh, the one really notable <laughs> exception is the last thing, last act of Captain America deciding to go and live a life. Right. That is him deciding, uh, at least as far as we understand it, to live a normal life with Peggy when he could continue the fight. And that right. is that is them acknowledging that there is a time. there's a time for self-care in a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what we're getting at is like this idea of responsibility. uh, You have to pair it with the idea of self-care, which couch differently comes off as selfishness, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I think the reason we, we are so um, 
inclined to teach this to children and inclined to include it in our Spider-Man comic books is because I don't think we, it is easy for a kid to default to selfishness right. <laughs> and not all kids do, but it is very easy for a kid to default to selfishness. Like I want my toy. I want my, this, I want my, and you do, that's why we use, you know, all of these allegories, all of our religions, all of our whatever we can to instill these values into children that we say, no, that's not how you should be. You should be this way because it's better for everyone else. And, and you know, it's it's interesting because I, I think in, in my in my case, like my religion that I grew up in, um, I think I ended up believing that to the point because of the, 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 the culture I was raised in. I ended up believing that to the point that like nothing that I did for myself was okay, you know? And I think that pushed me too far to where I believed every action I should take should be for the greater good. Um, and then the greater, (laughs) and then you, you can't, uh, we, we, as humans, that is, so what is the problem with that? What is the problem? I think for one thing, it's sustainability. Like, I don't yeah. think it's sustainable to always, you're going to burn out. Um, you're going to become the villain, basically, <laughs> just by bur- by burnout. Um, or or you become way less effective. So, like, some sort of self-care is, I think, what we're talking about here. I think we all agree that it is good to use your power yeah. for good. But it is also good to have a balance of self-care, right? Is that kind of what we're what we're honing in on, on this whole issue. I I think so. Yeah. And I I imagine that most of this conversation is going to be talking about like how we find that balance and examples of folks we think went too far one side or the other. Well, it does kind of feel like Captain America um, buried himself in service for his entire life. And then at the end, he buried himself in ice. (laughs) That too. (laughs) That, that, I mean, literally, that's part of his service. Like, you know, yeah. he, he 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 was like, it's for the greater good. I'm going to bury this thing in ice, you know, and, and he went with it. Um, and then he, he served so much. He gave so much of himself that in the end, he's like, I, I need to rest. Like, I've got to go and be with Peggy. And that's the life I'm going to choose right now. And I could come right back, but I'm not going to come right back. Yeah, but there's an interesting, uh, a, a different aspect on that. Or, you know, something that, that you could be, could easily be overlooked. Uh, with Captain America in that situation, Captain America knew that there were all these other people that had come together behind him yeah. to, to save the world. If, you know, and if he went away, all these other people will, will still be there and can, and, you know, they'll pick up the torch. They'll, you know, he's handing off the, the flag to them so that they can go. So, you know, in that, in that particular instance, if you forget about the rest of the heroes, yeah, yeah, it's really selfish that that Cap could have lived another, you know, 30, 40, 50 years and still been a, a great hero and done all these great things. But he's also given up so much of his life. If you if you think about everybody else that was there, like, yeah, it's probably reasonable for him to to retire and 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 have that opportunity that he never would have had otherwise without this in this specific time travel situation. And I think that's a really good point. There's a, uh, when I was in grad school, uh, studying to be like a community organizer and, and an activist, um, I think this was on like our opening day, like, you know, assembly, um, or convocation, whatever it was. 
and the <clears throat> the um head the dean of the school asked us to look around at everyone else and and basically said to us listen you know you're all here because you want to use whatever power you have to try and make the world a better place but that you have to remember that there's a danger of a real hubris that can come from that of a sense of like there's a problem in the world i have to fix it and so he really wanted us to like look at each other and remember like all these people are in the same fight that you are and so it's okay to sometimes say you know i'm going to step back so that this other person can do it um and i think that's a really good point um about because i think it is kind of what like for captain america to do that when there's no one else i think would be very different than what he does the other thing i think though is i will start getting into more specifics but this uh just kind of on this general conversation and i'm wondering if you guys agree with this um it seems that part of where at least the MCU stories are really going towards, and especially this happened in Endgame, but also with, I think, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, is kind of the idea of heroes saying, okay, I'm going to accept responsibility, but I'm going to do it on my terms. You know, that, that both Jessica Jones and Luke Cage are going to be the heroes who they think they should be, rather than just like the heroes who it seems the whole rest of the world seems to want them to be. Um, and in the case of Cap... Um, to me, the moment I think that was really interesting was Tony, because in the in in Endgame, Tony at first really doesn't want to make that choice. He wants to say, "Look, I have my daughter, I have my family. This terrible thing happened, but life has moved on, and I'm not willing to risk losing these things in order to help bring other things back." And at least my sense watching it was, I don't think the movie is portraying him as selfish. I mean, I think they're saying like. He's making his choice and he's not being as self-sacrificing as someone like Cap. But I, I got the sense that the movie was saying that Tony was making a reasonable argument. And, and this might be entirely headcanon on my part. I kind of think maybe that that's part of what inspires Cap to say, you know what? Maybe Tony's right. Maybe we should be trying to balance somewhat. And that's maybe why I should be willing to hang up the shield. Mm. Um, is that entirely in my head or do you guys get any of that as well? I did not see that connection until you say it, but I, I like it a lot. I almost wish they had drawn that on screen because I do mm-hmm. think it. I do. I think it's head cannon, but I think it's good head cannon. I think it's. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's watching, uh, watching that balance play out and watching Tony have a life and the life he never got to have. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, Matt's definitely the uh, the head cannon expert. So if uh-huh. you get the sign off from him, like you're good. <laughs> Well, let me just ask you this. Do you think the movie is showing Tony as being kind of selfish when he says, like, I will only do this if I can keep my daughter? Or do you think that his position is kind of a a reasonable one in terms of finding that balance? Well, I mean, you could you could easily say that he was being selfish by coming to help everybody, because uh, if he didn't, you know, come up with a solution to time travel, then or rather, if he didn't use the solution to time travel that he had come up with, he never would have let his mind uh, rest so to speak so it was mm. just him showing up to put his mind at ease like oh yeah see i can i can now say that i explored that possibility as well yeah it's an interesting yeah. point because the, the way they set it up the fact that they give him a daughter and they give him a life with pepper and the, the daughter to like have as a reason so it makes it not selfish if he had just been like you know what i'm happy my company's doing well as a as a <laughs> Like I'm, I'm a single guy and I'm happy with my life. I don't want to lose my life as a like culture. We would not accept that. Yeah. It, we have, he has to have a daughter and a wife and this life that he's scared of losing that we go, uh, because it doesn't, it doesn't come off as selfish because it's that. And then when, and just like Jeff said, when he decides to do it, he has that conversation with Pepper. He's like, 
I have this idea. I could just put it away. And she's yeah. like, no, you can't. This is who you are. You can't help yourself but to go jump into these adventures. And you need to... So it actually, the way the movie portrays it is it's almost more of a selfish act <laughs> that he decides to go and save the world. Tony's the villain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Team Tony forever. Someone, um, asked, someone, someone asked me on Twitter. Uh, I think it was Vibrant Jacks from our Twitch streams or whatever. Uh, asked me on Twitter last night. Uh uh, who's your favorite villains, uh, MCU villains? And I named like, I named three villains and then Tony Stark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you raised an interesting point. I would actually even twist it a little bit more to say maybe with Tony, it's actually raising another interesting spin on the whole uncle Ben, which I, I know that that's what his name is. But every time I say uncle Ben, I think of selling rice, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> but, um, in some ways, Tony is faced with a, a thing that, um, you know, Ben Parker never really considered, which is what happens when it's not, do you do your own thing or do you live up to your responsibility? It's what happens when you have two conflicting responsibilities, because, you know, what Tony is balancing is I have a responsibility to, you know, the world and maybe the whole universe of people I don't know versus the responsibility I have to my actual daughter and to Pepper, and to, like, the family that I've created. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's yep. another interesting way of looking at it, is what happens when it's not, you know, are there really ever moments when it's just about, you know, my selfishness, or is it always about balancing different responsibilities? I mean, it's always really easy for Peter Parker to uh, to say, like, with great power comes great responsibility, because he's, like, pretty much all the time in the comics, he's a, he's a single guy, or he's got a girlfriend, and he's, you know, living alone in an apartment. Like, at that point... If you're if you're not going out to use your superpowers for good, then really you're just a lazy twenty something, you know, in your in your apartment. Like, All right. mm -hmm. as a single person, as a single person, I have to take exception with that. You married person, um, <laughs> like that is that is a trope that I actually really hate. That single lives, it literally, I, I, I did not mean to do this. I do not mean to draw a parallel between Black Lives Matter, but I was about to say single lives matter, like. Single single people have lives that they care about and like they're, um, you know, they have their own lives that they and sometimes have chosen to live those lives and they are not less valuable uh, than. And that's that's kind of what I'm getting at when I talk about this, uh, like uh, this Tony situation as a culture, we would look at that and go if, if he was a single man with just a job that he was happy doing, we would go. Oh, that's really selfish. Like we need yeah. to give him other other people in his life to care about. But the question is, when is it okay? Really, what we're talking about though in the, in this episode of this podcast is like, when is it okay to say no? I'm not going to do the thing that saves lives or like whatever <laughs> because I need time for me. You know, like I need to do yeah. this for me. Um, when do you really turn your back on responsibility? When is that okay? <laughs> like, yeah, I I think if it is it ever. I think the point about singleness is fantastic because, a, a, I do think, like, you know, if you truly are an island, if you have no connection to anybody else, I do still think your responsibility towards yourself and towards self-care is important. Um, but the other thing I think that you're pointing out, and it's definitely a, 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 a trope that I fell into there for a moment, is, you know, um, we can really privilege, like, you know, biological or marriage romantic relationships in a way that sort of like that those are important in the way that, like, yeah, Peter Parker has, you know, he does have a couple of very good friends. He does have, you know, a position at the uh, the newspaper, even with a, you know, a boss who hates him and is maniacal. Um, but, you know, like, it, it's really easy to see, like, well, 
like you have a wife and a kid, so your life matters. Your life should be protected more than a single person's. And and that's it's a little bit of a tangent, but I think that's a great point. Well, I mean, and that's the exact uh, thing that we we encounter with uh, uh, Natasha and on Clint on Boromir. Uh, oh God, yeah. She wants to Vormir, throw herself off. What? It's Vormir, not Boromir. Boromir Whoops. was in Lord of the Rings. Sorry, sorry. Who also <laughs> um, had a very strong responsibility to protect the people of Gondor in a way that I thought the movies didn't give enough credit to. Anyway, go on. <laughs> 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 I, I just did a, a whole live tweet of watching the movies and how in the extended edition, it, it does a much better job of highlighting the fact that Boromir isn't just selfish, but has this whole responsibility towards Gondor, which is why he wants the ring. Anyway, total side interesting. note, but it does tie in. Boromir, That's really interesting. I did... I did not remember that. Yeah, Voromir, sorry. Um, yeah, when when Clint and Natasha are on that cliff, that's definitely part of the conversation. If not, I can't remember exactly what they're saying. I don't remember the, how much they actually explicitly say it, but it's definitely the audience's minds. Like, he has his family to, he's trying to win his family back, and he has a family to go back to, and Natasha has been sitting alone in a room with only her work as an Avenger, and it's kind of a sad, lonely life. And I, and I, and I, I kind of wish that we'd get it, we'd get the trope of a single person who loves what they do, and they have to make the decision to like give possibly give that up to go serve as an Avenger or whatever. Like, uh, whatever they're a, whatever. I mean, I, in my life, like I'm a musician. I love being a musician. I miss it when I can't do it. And uh, if I had to go like be an Avenger instead of being a musician, and like, you know, I have a girlfriend. I'm not completely single, but like. I'm not married and I don't have kids. And so those responsibilities are not what I have, but I do have a life that I like. <laughs> I, I was and so say, that's, that's the, the next, the next time you um, tell us you can't record at a certain time. Cause you have to spend time with your girlfriend. I'm going to remind you of your whole, you have no responsibility thing, but I do yeah. understand your point. <laughs> it's just like, it's, I don't have that same responsibility that they, they put up on the screen and it, it is right. different. Like it's different. Like people treat girlfriend different than they do a wife in a movie. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's what interests me is like when when you did really don't have anyone else you're turning to be responsible for, because that does give us as an audience a little bit of cushion where we're like, OK, yeah. he's not being selfish. He has a family. So what does it mean if you don't have a family and it's not even for your friends? It's just like, when, or is it good at all? Or is that what we're saying? Is that like, is that a line that we're willing to draw is like, is it just if you don't have anyone else you're turning your back for? Is it purely selfish? And is that is that bad? Well, and I think that gets into the other main question that I really want to talk about, and that's kind of what I was getting at in terms of like people like Luke and Jessica redefining it is who gets to decide what your responsibility is? You know, uh, you know, like we live in a society, we all live in societies of some kind or another that often tell us like what our responsibilities are, are, you know, and you go on Twitter and there's a whole bunch of people on Twitter who will tell you what a whole bunch of other people's responsibilities are from all different directions. Um, you know, I certainly a lot of me and my fellow lefties will be very happy to tell Jeff Bezos what his responsibilities are with all of his mm -hmm. economic power. Um, you know, and that might be just as screwed up. Like, I think there's a lot of great conversation here about who gets to define who is responsible for what. Um, well, and off mic, before we started this, we're talking about wearing masks right now. And it's exactly the same yeah. thing. Like, I'm in Alabama and... It's making me pretty upset because I know that masks, when you wear a mask, you're protecting other people. Like, that's mostly what you're doing. Uh, yeah. You're protecting yourself some, but most of the percentage of protection is for other people. So it is a responsibility thing to wear a mask. And, you know, 
I, I'm going out in Alabama, and I, I went out the other day, and literally one uh, one person in the entire place was wearing a mask out of about a hundred, you know, forty people or fifty people, uh-huh. and it just really, really frustrates me that no one's trying to protect each other out there. Yeah, yeah, that's actually actually I think the mask thing is a fantastic example because all of us have a responsibility to be doing something, to be wearing the mask, and at the same time. You know, the people with more power, the people who are on TV more, the people who are more public figures, like, you know, the owner of a restaurant has the power to insist that the people who come into his restaurant, their their restaurant wears masks, you know, because that person has a little more power. So maybe they have a little more responsibility. The person who's on TV a lot, maybe they have even more power. And so they have even more of a responsibility. At least I think that's how Uncle Ben would see it. And we can we can carry that forward. Um, But so but Matthew, it's my body, my choice. (laughs) Oh, wait. Yeah, that's nope. that's uh, well, and that's a thing. It's like you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's nice. Not a not a not a dumb. Uh, I mean, like obviously, you're you're calling into question a, a larger argument that we probably don't want to have on this episode. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> well, but but I think I, I I will say actually I think I think that 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 question and I what I believe is a complete misuse of that political phrase gets to mm-hmm. the heart of what we're talking about, which is, you know, like I I'm going to go off on kind of a weird tangent here, but I think it's related. I think that I have the right to shoot as much heroin into my body as I want to. And to me, that is part of my body, my choice. Like if I want to destroy my body with drugs, I think I have the right to do that. What I don't have the right to do is to put heroin into my body and then get behind the wheel of a car because now I'm, you know, putting other people's lives at risk. Um, And I think that, you know, it's the whole concept of I have the freedom to swing my fist in whatever direction it it goes until my fist connects with your face because I don't have the freedom to use my body in a way that harms others. And to me, that's why the whole my body, my choice thing doesn't apply to this mask thing because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not like, you know, if someone wants to go find somebody who has COVID and like breathe in their air and get COVID, um, I, I kind of think they're being really dumb and maybe I'm not thrilled about the healthcare system paying for that. But sure, your body, your choice. It's, it's the like going out without a mask and going out to like infect others, you know, that's where it gets dumb. Um, yeah. And I think that the that argument stems from them not having a fundamental understanding of the mask isn't for you, the mask is for other people. Yeah, I don't so, think anyone gets that. Yeah, yeah. And, I think and, that's that's where it gets kind of uh, backwards. If we had leadership right now in this country, and I, I know that you're you often talked about uh, about your uh, left leaning politics in this podcast, so I don't think that you're uh, you mind me going here uh, going political. Um, but like, yeah, I I don't have a I am not a one-sided person. I'm a pretty moderate guy when it comes to politics, but this whole thing about Trump not being willing to wear a mask and not, not encouraging his supporters to do so is, is, is causing people to die. Like he has, he has great power and he's using it in the worst possible way out of pure hubris and, 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 the idea of him not wearing a mask and everyone else around him wearing a mask is the like darkest, most dystopian shit. Like it is awful. When I see a room full of his staffers all wearing masks, all protecting him and he will not, it is, Mm -hmm. it it angers me to the point that like it's, it's, it's monstrous. It's absolutely monstrous. Well, And and here's where I think it is that like, I I agree with you on the politics. I have no one on the politics. I just want to make sure we stay to the the topic, but I think it's very relevant here is, (laughs) yeah, it is. My, my kind of overall take on, on the, the Ben question is, I think, Matt, you said it really well, that it's about finding a balance. And 
in the superhero stories, there are times when I think the, the push of responsibility goes a little too far and I want to push back on the individuality part. But in terms of the message for our society, I think ours is a society in which, I, at least my opinion, I think we all kind of agree with this. I think that most of us, at least certainly as Americans, we don't have enough of a sense of responsibility of how are the things that we're doing affecting others. You know, and I'm certainly seeing that with the mask thing of that people just don't have a sense of the choices I make put other people at risk. And and so in that regard, I kind of feel like I want our movies and our TV shows to to push the balance and not to go too far. But certainly if more of the message we're getting is you have power, please, t- please take responsibility. That seems like a good message for our society right now. It does. I agree. Um, that reminds me a lot of the uh, the comic um, The Mighty Avengers. Uh, this was in in uh, the Marvel universe, where like right after the Superhero Registration Act went through and Civil War happened and everything, um, where Tony and Captain Marvel got to basically pick a whole new team. Like they had, you know, they had never had a choice before on mm. who was on the Avengers and who was who was available to take on these threats. Uh, and so they just put together this big team of heavy hitters, uh, but also, you know, a couple of specialists. And in like their first fight with with a, uh, an Avengers level threat, they're destroying buildings. And the guys are just like, oops, sorry. And like <laughs> Captain Marvel's like, what are you talking about? Sorry, you're destroying buildings. Like that's that's a huge responsibility. What are you doing? Well, I mean, that's the entire plot of Civil War starts with trying to figure out what is Scarlet Witch's responsibility toward, you know, like. Because in in <clears throat> in Civil War, she's attempting to stop um, what what's his name? It's not Bone Crusher. It's um, Crossbones. Crossbones. You know, Bone Crusher. <laughs> bone <laughs> saws. That's what it is. That's if what he, I was thinking. If of. he blew up where he was, he kills maybe thirty five people, maybe even more, maybe hundreds. She's trying to avoid that. She does it in a way that winds up with still a couple people dying, but less. Like. She's attempting to limit that damage. What what is her responsibility there? About how good does she have to be? So yeah, I think I think these questions come up all the time. Um, and let, let's get a little more into the specifics. And let's just talk just about for a moment Ben Parker. What what do you think he means specifically beyond those just couple words when he says to to Peter, "With great power comes great responsibility." Well, at the moment, like at the time when he was saying it, he didn't know that Peter had any kind of power. He was. Or rather, he didn't know that Peter had superpowers. Right. He knew that Peter was a smart kid and, um, you know, had the world ahead of him, basically, and could have done anything that he wanted, so to speak. I'm trying to remember now. Have we actually seen him say that in the MCU? Because I know, like, we never got an actual Spider-Man origin story, which I'm glad for, in the MCU with Tom Holland. But has anyone ever said those words to Tom Holland? Not those specific words. Uh, right. Spider-Man, Peter Parker did say, when you can do what I do and you don't, and the bad stuff happens, it happens because of you. Right. Which is effectively a paraphrasing. Which yeah. is honestly, given the conversation we're having, is actually a darker paraphrase of, of that. Because then then you're not only, it's, and I mean, I, that's what the word responsibility means. It is, is an exact paraphrase, but he's basically saying when bad things happen, if I don't stop them, I am guilty of the bad things. Yeah, yeah like all of it is my fault. Mm-hmm. Which, which to me, I mean, yeah, that that's going a lot further than what Ben Ben says in in the comics and the stories. And his own, yeah, it, like you know, I feel like I have some material wealth. I have a duty to try and help other people. I don't think homelessness is my fault necessarily. You know, I feel like Peter takes it in a direction that is. Let, let's definitely circle back to that because that you're right that 
But that's the, that's the thing. If you could if you could go outside right now and you have a spare room and there's a homeless man on the street and uh, you could put him in, in that room, is it not your fault that that person's on the street? See, and I guess here uh, – and here we're going to like basic sociology arguments. The problem with something like that is I think <laughs> the problem with that kind of thinking is that it's very individualistic and it's very much looking at like individual A does this, which causes – Result B that affects person C, you know, instead of looking at like, what are all the system systemic problems in our world that cause homelessness? You know, is is my is that homeless man on the street caused because I don't invite him into my my house or is it caused because I vote for politicians who aren't doing enough to build homeless shelters? Or is it caused because I shop at companies that help perpetuate the economic system? I mean, like there's so many different levels we can look at it at. Um and, and so I, I feel like I, I want to stay with what Ben says for a moment because I feel like Ben's statement is much more open. It's much more saying, like, you have a responsibility without necessarily getting into, like, causation and guilt. Um, but you're right. It's definitely – it is a very interesting uh, – the, the fact that Peter puts that twist on it feel, I think is very emblematic of Peter's character in that he very much is one of those people with the weight of the world on his shoulders where he looks at anything wrong in the world and says, um, this is my fault. Yeah, well, and it goes with the story of Peter and Ben. When he said that, and and Peter was like, sure, great power comes great responsibility, whatever. And then immediately after that, he doesn't use his powers to stop a criminal, and that criminal kills Ben. And then he says, you know, when I didn't use my powers to stop the bad thing from happening, the the things are my fault. And Ben dying is my fault because I didn't stop the criminal, you know? If that's the story in the MCU, which we don't. Well, and actually. so here's actually an interesting question: is is that a problem with what Ben says? Like, because and I, I'm going to stay on the idea that I think Peter taking on that much personal guilt is not the best perspective mentally. Um, that, not for a 15 year old, especially. Right. Well, and so is that part of the danger <laughs> of telling people like that great responsibility comes with great power? Is that if you say that without tempering it at all, that people will take on this kind of idea of. I have to do everything myself because or else I'm going to be haunted by guilt because it is all my fault. Um, I think the idea is you're just using people up. Like, so as a culture, we put, we, we put this idea of responsibility in people's heads because that's what we want people to be less selfish. We want people to do the right thing. We want heroes to emerge and do to you. If you have this great power or great wealth or whatever that you use it to help people, the, uh, the problem is if that's all we teach people to do, they end up becoming kind of used up as human beings because that's all right. they're for. That's all they think they're for. And I definitely have had that struggle in my own life trying to emerge from sort of the culture I was raised in. Like I am I'm very much in this exact situation where I feel like I was raised on all oh, you're you're you are built for this responsibility only. And then I realized, oh, I haven't been doing any th- I haven't been making any decisions for me. And then it it really does like it puts a psychological weight on you and you have to sort of emerge from that and learn to be yourself. And then you have to learn. I think we should be teaching a balance yeah. at some point about self-care and responsibility. Well, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if we actually have had any villains where this is their origin story, because I think it would be very believable. But I certainly see in our own world, some of the most selfish people that I know are people who really did that. You know, they gave and they gave and they gave and they gave and they felt like they never got appreciation or they felt like it never did anything. And eventually they kind of just gave up and made their, you know, heel turn and were like, you know, screw this. I'm, I'm done trying to save the world. I'm just going to take care of myself. 
Um, is there a supervillain that falls into that category? Like I should, like I said, I think you know I, I've seen a lot of people who definitely do that. Um, in the '90s, Green Lantern went apeshit when Coast City was destroyed and uh, killed all the other lanterns. Or all the other Green Lanterns took all the rings and um, and became the new like uh, a new supervillain. Uh, but then it was like retcon that he was controlled by parallax and uh-huh. <laughs> all that, all that crap. But like yeah. just that by itself is a really, um, you know, it was a really, a really great look at like, you know, the superhero is, he's doing this thing. He's trying to achieve this goal. He's trying to protect coast city, you know, all the time. That's his place. But then when he can't and, you know, he shouldn't take on, he shouldn't be placed with the sole responsibility of protecting you know, everything there yeah. in the first place. But then when he's got it in his head that like all of this happened because I wasn't here to do anything about it. And these other people say that I can't, you know, I can't use my power to rebuild it. And then he just goes down a rabbit hole of like, not, you know, not dealing with it, not appropriately addressing that pain and then becomes a new supervillain. Like that's a, that's a huge problem that is inherent in this you know uh in this implied responsibility of putting the entire weight on on one person's shoulders yeah i mean and certainly that happens i think with superman a lot when um when he gets affected by the red uh it, red kryptonite is the one that kind of screws with his mind right um uh, yeah you know and that that i think what happens there a lot is that he you know that a lot of this kind of I, this, this resentment is what comes to the fore of like i've been doing all this myself no one else can help me um, and certainly, actually, one thing I, I place I definitely do think you see it is, um, uh, uh, and Matt and I are going to talk about this on uh, Panda Watch, another um, podcast part of the Stranded Panda Network that's going to get started pretty soon. In the TV show The Boys, I think one, I think in both the TV show The Boys and the TV show Umbrella Academy, one of the things it explores is he, oh, actually even so even more so I think actually Umbrella Academy heroes who have to give up everything, who can't have a personal life, who have to just be heroes. And what that does to a person and how that breaks you and, and how after you get broken, it might you might just kind of turn everything off and, and just not want to help anybody. Mm. I wonder if there's also so we talked about ways to attenuate this idea of 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 responsibility. And some of that is just self-care, uh, but also like, is there something to the idea of choice of the kind of mission you take on? Um, and it kind of relates to the. Um, the. The Accords. Mm-hmm. Sokovia, Gosh, help me out. Sokovia Accords. It relates to the Sokovia Accords in that it, you know, <laughs> if you, these people only do the things, the missions that the government tells them to do, and if they use their powers outside of that, they're, uh, they're you know, in trouble or imprisoned or whatever. Um, I wonder if, if this sort of burnout we talk about, like another way to, um, attenuate for that is like only doing the missions <laughs> allowing that people that you're capable of handling without any well not necessarily capable but also passionate about like certain heroes working on certain problems i feel like that's the case in our in our society where you know if you have a charity that is your passion that you want to work on maybe you have more of a you have more mag more gasoline in the tank to deal right. with that than you would if you're working in a, in a in an environment that you, it's not a thing you're passionate oh, sorry, about. Sorry, Tony. Um, I'm more of a meteors guy. Well, I mean, I, mean, I think, I think, <laughs> right, I, I think right. actually the Netflix MCU did explore that a good deal. You know, like, I mean, Matt Matt Murdock, like, he cares about Hell's Kitchen. He really cares about his neighborhood. 
And I think, you know, like if there's a problem in, in Queens or in Philadelphia or in Los Angeles, like, you know, maybe you can talk him into helping, but like his main focus is Hell's Kitchen. And for Luke Cage, it's issues of race and the people in his neighborhood who are, you know, who are almost entirely black. And, um, yeah, Jessica it's Jones, I feel like in, in season one, it's people who are affected by the person who affected her, uh, Purple Man. Um, in, in later, I think one of yeah. the biggest problems she also I think with later Jessica is... Jones is that she doesn't really find what that group is that she cares about. Um, but yeah, I, go ahead. I also think she has the she has the classic noir trope of being fascinated by a mystery. Yeah. So like she also has that where that is her passion. Like that is one of the things that lights her up. Is she's like I'm pushing this away, I'm pushing this away, and then something intriguing happens that goes, okay, maybe that's an interesting mystery that I need to solve because right. that's who I am. Well, and Jessica, I think is actually one of the best examples also of that person who is torn between family and and large responsibility. And here. I mean, it kind of goes to what you were saying before, Matt. Uh, you know, she doesn't have relationships. It's it's her mostly. It's her responsibility towards her mother. Um, and I feel like so much of, I, I think it's season three, uh, for Jessica Jones, where she's really balancing the fact that you know, on the one hand, her mother is a pretty provable public danger, and and her responsibility towards the people, if that means anything, is to help get her mother locked up. But she winds up feeling she has a more of a responsibility towards her mother and helping her. That's season two. Yeah, that's season two. Okay. two. That's right. Yeah. What's the big bad of season three? Salinger. Um, uh, Hellcat. Salinger and Hellcat. Oh, that's Sa- right. Salinger is the is the main main bad, but Salinger drives Hellcat to, uh, yeah, to to being the big bad in the end. And I I love I okay. like that season a lot. <laughs> I liked that mm-hmm. turn a lot. Yeah, I, I had different feelings. That's a very different topic. Um. But I guess just going back to the Ben thing for one second, and then we can keep moving on. How much of this do you think Ben meant? Like, and again, we, we've seen it in eight different versions, and so it's. But, but like, when you think the the phrase "with great power comes great responsibility," do you think that he means to take it to the level of guilt that Peter does? Do you think who who does he mean that responsibility is to? What what's your kind of what does that sentence really mean? I think it's that he sees that that Peter has this great power of his mind and he says you know wasting it is a waste you have a responsibility to use your mind or to to do something right and i i think that ben leaves it ambiguous enough for peter like he's not saying hey you know you're a strong guy you have a responsibility to go lift things it's it's you have a responsibility to do something right yeah i think and I think it's it should be left up. It should at least be left up to the hero as far as what that something is and how, you know, how far, how much it is reasonable to give. Right. Yeah, I, I like that take on yeah, especially because I think I, that even leaves room for what's that you have responsibility towards yourself as well as to everybody else. Mm, that's a good point. So and let's 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 use that as kind of the next jumping off point. Um, when we think about the idea of do heroes have responsibility? Who is that responsibility to? I mean, the the easy mm. answer is to say they've got a responsibility to the world to use their power for the good of the everybody. But when you say everybody, a lot of times you leave out the hero uh, as far as who they have a responsibility to do good for. And, you know, the these threats keep coming up, you know, much like Vision said, you know, since uh, since 
Mr. Stark said, I am Iron Man, the threats have risen exponentially. So it's like they're always having to deal with something mm-hmm. and they never get a chance to really like, you know, flip off for any any amount of time. Hmm. <laughs> you deep in thought? Yeah, it's just it's a hard it's a hard question because you want to say, you know, you've got superpowers, you should use it because I don't have superpowers. What can I do? Right. And I guess that's really the question is like, what, you know, what about the people? Is it, is it reasonable for the people without superpowers to expect the person with superpowers to step up and do more? Can they, can those people without superpowers, is it reasonable for them to sit back and do nothing to try to help? I mean, we, we see where black widow, black widow has no powers, Mm -hmm. you know, Hawkeye has no powers, but they still step up. They still, they say, I've got at least, you know, I've, I've got these skills that everybody else could have developed, but, you know, they didn't. I do. I did. I have developed these skills, so I'm going to do what I can to try to, to try to save everybody. And they, you know, they both being just human people in space on Vormir ended up being one of the most important, uh, one of the most important decisions in the entirety of the MCU. Right. And I think that's a really good point, especially the idea of when you go too far into this, like with great power comes great responsibility idea is if I don't have great responsibility, does it mean I have no responsibility? Um, Cause I think that's a real danger. And I think um, especially in TV shows like the boys mm-hmm. that get into this, but also in some other things, like there, there seems to be a, 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 an idea of, well, I know Superman exists. I know Spider-Man exists, so I don't need to worry about it. Um, and I think, um, this is from, I think this is the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. There's so many that I get confused, but there's a couple of wonderful scenes there where Spider-Man is really like struggling and the rest of the, like the, just the, the people of New York, like come to help him and come to join in. I think it happens in a couple of different movies. And I always thought that was really touching because that's a really idea of that instead of it being, you know, if you have a power level of five or more, you have to help. If you're four or below, don't do anything. It's whatever your level of power, you have a responsibility to use that as you can to help. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a sliding scale of what you should be doing based on your power level. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're just a Joe Schmo, throw a brick. Uh, if you're Spider-Man, like mm-hmm. use web shooters, swing around, jump off buildings, whatever. Yeah. No, I, I, I think those are good points. And I, I think for me, where it also though comes down to is I don't think this is a responsibility anyone can put on someone else, but as much as I want there to be a general responsibility towards, you know, everything and towards, you know, humanity and towards the world and towards the universe. I also think it's very important that the characters who come from groups or backgrounds that aren't given as much weight and and thought that they have feel a particular, you know, responsibility towards that group. And here I'm thinking about someone like, um, you know, Luke Cage with, with people who are victims of racism and someone like Magneto, who I'm often going to argue is more of a hero than a villain, but but however you see him, you know, he feels that his responsibility is towards fellow mutants because of the way they were oppressed. Um, and I think I think it can either be heroic or villainous, but that there's an interesting idea there where a person sort mm. of feels like, you know, it's not that I don't want to help everyone else. It's that these are my people. And so this is who I have a responsibility towards. It's an interesting concept. I, I... I, I definitely it is very in line with what I was mentioning a minute ago about having a passion to do a certain thing. That's not to say you shouldn't help in other ways, especially if you see needs in other places. 
Uh, the problem is with that is it's dangerously close to um, to becoming the villain. Uh, like like I, I think of Star Trek and I think of the idea the, the ideals of Star Trek for me are this idea that over time you learn you seek out new life and new civilizations like that's that's part, that's part of the tagline and it's about figuring out what how what new life is like new cultures are like and incorporating them into the family that is the federation right like that's what that's what the whole thing is with star trek and i think the model there is you become a better person and we're all stronger the more we incorporate more people into who are our people, you know? And anytime you say my people versus their people, those are their people. I don't want you, you, you run the risk. I'm not saying it's the only thing you can do. Like, like you said, um, Luke Cage works for his people. Um, (laughs) Danny Rand works against the hand. Like they, they all have these specific things they're working for or against, but like, you also run the risk anytime you you do that you run the risk of othering right. people you know of, of being like that they're not my people so they're not going to be right. ones i help i mean i don't i don't think that's a trait we want I in a hero um i think we want to be able to I, and i think as human beings i think part of our job as human beings is like we're born in a certain place in a certain culture and we're supposed to slowly expand <laughs> or like hopefully quickly expand what we think of as um as as a, as a person, like you know, like the the who we place value right. in, you know, uh, it it is hard. It, it, children are born and they recognize the people they're around, and that's why we should expose them to lots of people and cultures. But they're not always, and there's like a there's this intrinsic fear of people that are different, and we I think like part of the responsibility of all of us is to like bring those things together. So I do think there's like a little bit of a the risk there when you say like I fight right. for my people, they they do their thing. I have a lot to say there, Jeff, but I want to let you jump in if you have anything to, to go on. No, I'm just sitting here nodding. Okay. Like, you can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a really good point, Matt. And I guess the one place where I'd push back a little bit is I think, you know, on that subject of othering, like, I think the more everyone can be trying to say, like, my people are everyone's people, you know, that's the direction we should be going. The question happens when what happens when your people are not seen as everyone's people by everyone else, you know? And, and that's where, again, I go to both Luke Cage and Magneto, you know? And in some ways, this seems to be the biggest part of the debate between Professor X and Magneto throughout the X-Men is, are mutants my people, or can mutants ever be seen as part of just everyone's people, you know? And, And certainly Luke Cage, I think, is saying that in his day and age, in his world, much like in our own, many people of color are not yet seen at, they are already othered. And I think it gets you an even larger question for a lot of heroes is to what extent do you need to say, like, I am going to live as though the reality I want exists or to what extent are you going to say, like, look, my people are already incredibly othered. I'm going to live into that. You know, I think like, um, switching over to the other side, like, you know, poison Ivy to me is a great example of what you're talking about, where her people are plants and yeah, environmentally, like, we're kind of terrible to vegetation Mm -hmm. and plant life and and natural life. (laughs) But she takes it as my responsibility towards the natural world is so high that I have no responsibility towards humanity and I'll kill them, you know, freely. And that's where she becomes a villain. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that balance is definitely there. 
I just think that a little bit of it has to be recognizing, like, how does the rest of the world see your people, whatever that is? Yeah, and that's why that's why I do think, and I don't agree with you that Magneto is is. I, I think he can be played more uh, empathetically uh-huh. at times, uh, but the reason he crosses the line into villainy for me is because, like, the the the, the two sides of the coin for Professor X and Magneto are they both consider the mutants their people. They both say mutants yeah. are my people. I am here to help mutants. The whole thing of Professor Xavier is trying to do is build a school for mutants and, and show the world that mutants can use their power for good and show them that mutants aren't to be feared. Um, but Magneto says mutants are my people and only mutants are my people. And, and that's what to me crosses the line into a villain. Like, you can you can love mutants, you can focus on mutants, you can want to help mutants, but once you start saying other people outside of my people, especially once you start saying they aren't valued, they aren't hum- they aren't humans um or whatever. Um but, but that's 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 kind of the uh the, to me that is the line that's being crossed that makes Magneto over the line to yeah, villain. The second that you start saying that another people are lesser, then you become You've gone too far. You've become a villain. Yeah. No, and I, I agree with that. I think a lot of it depends on who's telling the story of Magneto, because I think when it becomes that, he very much becomes a villain. I think the place where I sympathize with him more than with Professor X is where I feel like, to me, the main thing they're arguing about is, will the rest of the world ever accept mutants as part of our people? Will mutants ever be part of humanity? And I think where I tend to agree with Magneto is when he's saying not humans are lesser than us so let's kill them all it's when he's saying humans will never accept us so we have to stop trying to be accepted by them and fight them um and and that's where i think he's i think he's correct and professor x is wrong about that but i do agree that he then very often becomes a villain because you're right because of exactly that um and i want to take an aside and tell a really funny story for for a second uh in the i think it was in the 90s marvel uh skirted particular shipping uh and tariff laws yeah so good where um they like there were x-men the the rule was it was like action figures versus dolls it was and dolls human dolls like human character dolls had a higher tax to be uh, to be shipped but imported these were x-men characters so they were like oh no these are inhuman creatures like these are mutants they're they're not people so that's hilarious. So they went they like went to the courts. They went to the courts in the middle of the 90s when the whole thing was like, you know, mutants are people too. That's the whole <laughs> theme of the comics. They went to the courts to convince actual courts that mutants were not people so that they could import them for yep. cheaper. They saved a few bucks by telling everybody that mutants <laughs> were not people. You know, I think that in a way that's a that that story should just be a part of like the introduction to every conversation that fans ever have because it's such a great yeah. reminder of like <laughs> we like to go so deep on the canon and be like no this is what Magneto really believed this is what Killmonger really believed and have to be like <laughs> you know sometimes the writers are doing it because like it was just cheaper to animate this than animate that or whatever it is right <laughs> um, yeah yeah well and and it didn't happen in the story at all it's literally just in the. In the courts of America, they, like, cha- change the law to, to make mutants oh, not well, people. I know, but, but I, I think what I'm saying is, like, and maybe I'm being really cynical here, I have to imagine that someone in corporate at the X, you know, in, in Marvel at some point said, hey, can we, like, 
maybe tone down the idea of arguing that mutants are people for a couple months while this is going through the courts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you just have no idea. Um, uh, oh, well, so man. Dial it back. Just I hope not, let's, but possibly. Let's actually continue with this story. Because part of where I think Magneto takes us is what I think is a really fascinating idea is what happens when it's the villain who sees um, – who sees themselves as having great responsibility because of their great power. And that becomes villainy. Um, and Matt, you really kind of unlocked this whole idea for me when you mentioned Fisk as someone who was like this. Talk about yeah. that. How do you see Fisk as living up to Ben Parker's idea? When I was a boy. Well, F- Fisk is Batman. Yeah. Fisk, Fisk is Batman. Like, he's Batman that doesn't have a problem killing, and he thinks that what he's doing is saving his city. He doesn't want to see another child have the same problems he had as a child. He went through a lot of trauma, and now he uses his considerable money to hire an army of people to do his bidding that he thinks is making his city safer. I don't want to invoke Kevin Smith, but this is Fat Man is Batman. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, yeah. Good no, I, I think that's a good point. I think it's, um, you know, I tend to be very much on the, uh, not, not to start the whole um, uh, Civil War debate, but part of why I'm on Team Tony, not Team Cap, is I think that one of the real dangers of with great power comes great responsibility is when you, the person with the power, also is the one to decide what your responsibility is without any accountability to anyone else and anyone else to say, like, you know, maybe your own biases are, are coming into this too much. And to me, Fisk is a perfect example of that where you're right. He, I think, and I, I've said this many times on the show, it's part of why Daredevil season one may be my favorite piece of superhero media, certainly in the MCU. Well, well actually, Daredevil season three, maybe even more so, but like, because it really gets into this idea uh, with Fisk is – you could easily make that the show about Fisk instead of Daredevil because he is so close to the line of being an, a protagonist instead of an antagonist because he really does believe he is entirely the hero in his own story. And I, I, I love that season especially because I think part of what it shows is not just that he's angry at, at Matt Murdock, but he's just so confused. He's like, I'm being a hero. What's the problem here? I'm I'm killing <laughs> Russian drug dealers. I'm killing heroin smugglers. I'm killing – all these terrible people and and look what happened to me as a child i don't ever want that to happen to someone else um so why isn't he batman what does make fisk a villain then how how or how, let me ask, let me put it this way is would would ben parker be proud of wilson fisk no why not <laughs> because instead of okay it's, it's it's the it's the punisher versus daredevil debate is what we have here on our hands currently is how far is too far to be a hero uh and how far is too far gone because you know daredevil doesn't consider punisher a a hero because he kills people and that's not the right thing to do that's wrong you should imprison people and let the the system do its work but the problem is that Fisk is also in control of the system and he has he's stacked the system against everyone else and in his favor and he <clears throat> he's okay with killing people he is he's okay with with using corrupt officials uh in the government or corrupt uh, agents in like the FBI to to do his bidding and to make sure that he stays in power when really he should just be doing good things and no one would would think to get him out of his seat of power if he were just doing good stuff. Well, kind of, but he couldn't have achieved the level of power he has without 
to like the thing with Fisk is he had to fight. Like the thing that makes Fisk not Batman is Fisk was poor as a kid when he went through the stuff he went through. And so he had to fight and scrape and claw and do whatever he had to do to get the power to try to stop. But on the way he got real dirty and real corrupt because that's the only, that was the only lever he had to power, which kind of makes him even more of a tragic figure. Um, when you think about it in, in the in those Batman and, and terms. Do you think it's fair to say that he falls into the trap that you all were just talking about? Is that he starts to say, like, once he sees a person as a criminal or as, as too poor to be helped or for some other reason, it seems there's a lot of people who he's able to say, those aren't my people, and so I'm not trying to save them. Uh, do you think it's fair to say that Fisk kind of falls into that trap you were talking about? I don't I don't think that's the that's the problem with Fisk. I think the problem with Fisk is he is wrong about his motivation. I think he thinks his motivation is saving the city, but if you really pay attention to like his actual actions, he just wants power. I think so maybe at some point he wanted um to save the city. And I think he still tells him that lie that that's what he's doing. But when he when he slams that guy's head in the car door, it's cuz he feels yeah. insulted. Um, he's ta- he, that had nothing to do with saving the city. Like almost none of his actions actually do anything to save the city. The only one time it does that is when he does destroy all those uh those Russian mobsters. So it seems to me it like he is a case of he does some good things that sort of uh, uh whitewash his other deeds to the point where it's like, hey, look, look how good and clean I am, uh, because I'm doing these things for the city, but really it's all about his own power, his own ego, his own feeling of powerlessness that he has as a child and never wanting to feel that again. And so I think, I don't think Fisk is a hero. Uh, I think he is deceiving himself into thinking he's a hero, but, but, but when, if you just look at it on his terms, if you, if you take him at face value of that, it's really hard to parse him from Punisher. Well, that's part of why I admit and, I, I don't see Punisher as a hero, at least it's certainly not in the I, – I find him a very compelling character and fun to watch. But to me, he's very much in the anti-hero, yeah. almost villain category, at least as Netflix tells him. Yeah. Yeah. They're, to me, they're all different shades, and that's what's so interesting about that series of Defenders is it's just like there's so many shades that are so close together but that have these small distinctions because I don't think that Punisher is doing anything he's doing for his yeah. own power. I do think he is genuine in his belief that he's doing the right thing, which was what makes him an anti-hero to me. He's willing to cross lines that heroes aren't willing to cross, but he really is trying to do the best thing for people and trying to help. And it's uh, it's sad and tragic that he is so lost and he was part of a system that did so many dark things that he's lost his compass in such a crazy way. Yeah. Um. I don't know that the show treats it as tragic, well, but I, I think, think it is tragic. I think Punisher is a great connection because I think both Punisher and Killmonger uh, – and sorry, I want to get to Killmonger in a second, but I think both Punisher and um, uh, Kingpin, um, uh, Fisk, part of what they share is this horrific childhood uh, – not in, in this horrific trauma that they've experienced. For Punisher, it's not childhood. And I feel like to some extent a part of what's happening is that their, their unprocessed feelings about that are part of what's changed – You know that they're not – Punisher, to some extent, wants to believe he's just doing this to be noble and good and fix the world, but he's still so angry and broken up over what happened to his family, and he's lashing out because of that. And as we've talked about Kingpin, it's the exact same with him and his 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 uh, trauma. And 
this is not to say by any means that trauma leads you to be a violent killer. That's a horrible trope that's said in media a lot that I don't think is true in the slightest. But I think it's interesting to compare those two to Batman, where not always, and I know not everyone agrees with this, but I think in a lot of tellings of the Batman story, part of what allows him to be as heroic as he is, though he's in many ways an antihero, but is the fact that he's no longer, he is affected by what happened to his parents, but he's no longer in that, like, I need to kill people or I need to hurt people and stop people so I stop feeling bad about my parents. He's dealt with that. He's come to some resolution with that, but it's led him to believe he has to do these things, that he has this responsibility to try to stop things like that happening to other kids. Um, do, do you see that difference in terms of where Batman is that, with that trauma versus like someone like Kingpin or Punisher? I think that Batman still has a line. Clearly he has a line that those don't. And he, he doesn't believe that he's uh, wholly above the law. Like he, I think he has this sort of like man's laws and yeah. God's laws sort of thing going on with Batman where he's like, man's laws are not working. I need to step in. Um, but there's still this sort of like actual at the core of my being that I don't have the right to kill another human being. So yeah, I'm willing to do a lot of damage, but I'm not going to cross this line. And I think that's, I think that is, is a thing that can make that put again, it puts him at another shade in this whole thing. And obviously he's like, he's very much like uh daredevil yeah. in that way. Well, and so let's continue with the shading. What are, who are other villains that we think also have this, like they feel this responsibility because of their great power. I think the Joker is a really good example. I was like, Joker doesn't phone. fit into this conversation in any way. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, I, you know, you keep bringing up Killmonger, and I think that he's an interesting one in that uh, in Black Panther, this is a this is a villain. This is a uh, an antagonist that won the moral argument over our hero, and you know he comes in from the side of. Uh, Wakanda has done nothing in the past to help people like us, you know, people like Wakandans, black people. Uh, we've got so many brothers and sisters all over the world who are, are oppressed every day. And we have the means, we have the, the ability to go out there and stop that oppression. We should do that. We have that great power. Yeah. We need to use it. And he takes it. <clears throat> he obviously takes it too far in that, you know, he wants to go out and just arm everybody, which is the, you know, one could say that's the wrong, uh, wrong way to go about it. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, in the, in the life that he's lived, you could see where he's coming from, oh, yeah. where if, you know, if everybody that is black was armed with a superior weapon, then nobody would want to screw with them, you know, every day. Like, yeah, it, it, it goes back to, it's, he's Magneto, you know, he's exactly the same thing. Like, I think that I love Killmonger. I think he does win. He wins part of the moral argument. He wins the fact that uh, Wakanda has not been taking, they have great power and they have not been responsible to their people at all. Uh, and they're, they're, well, but, it's but, not even, uh, I mean, and they've then, been very responsible towards the people of Wakanda. They haven't been responsible towards sure. other people of color or other humans or, or wider. Exactly. Right, right. So, so they are. Uh, he, what what Killmonger is saying is, we need to open up to to help help other black people and take out the rest of the system if we have to. And what uh, our hero ends up saying, T'Challa, is like, he's right. We need to open up. We need to help people of color. Uh, but 
we also need to be friends of the world. Yeah. We, it's, it's very much the same like sort of balance between Magneto and Professor X that we have uh, that we've discussed over and over the sort of same sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. We can't be Judge Judy and Executioner. Yeah. Cute. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Killmonger is a really good example because of everything we're talking about. Because I think you're right. I think Ben Parker would look at T'Challa and and say like, "Look, you you have this power. You need to be more responsible in how you're using it." But then would go to Killmonger and be like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa not 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 quite that far." Because Killmonger <laughs> pump the brakes there. He kid. definitely falls into that idea of yeah, I'm responsible towards my people and to hell with everybody else. Well, and so let me switch to another villain who I think, at least as I see it also has this feeling of his great power brings great responsibility. But then I think most of us would feel like uses that great responsibility in, in some pretty terrible ways, although it's debatable. And it's one, Matt, I know, I think you're going to have a lot of feelings on because you've done so much with the TV show and the movie The Watchmen. And namely, I'm talking about Ozymandias. Um, and here, um, spoilers yeah. for Watchmen, so if you want to skip ahead a few minutes, go for it. But for those who've seen it or just know about it, basically Ozymandias is someone who I think is rightly understood to be one of, if not the smartest person on the planet and has incredible power because of it. And he winds up believing that his power, like that the world's going to destroy itself in nuclear war, but that his intelligence, he can basically trick everyone into thinking that this terrible thing is happening. And so they shouldn't have a, a nuclear war. They should all unite against this idea of an alien threat. And he winds up doing it. And in the process, killing millions of people, fundamentally changing society, Never asking anyone else's opinion, but doing it because he thinks, I have the power to stop this nuclear war, and so I have a responsibility to do it. Um, what, what's your kind of take on Ozymandias and where he falls in all this? I think he's just an utter narcissist. Um, he thinks, he, he has the, I have great power, so I'm the only one with any responsibility, and I must do this. Um, and I think there's a sense of narcissism there, and we've talked about the whole burnout thing, and sort of activism burnout and all that stuff like that is uh uh it, it also can stem from a belief that you are the only one that can help and you are the only one that can do the things you need to do uh you are the only one that can yeah. edit the podcast you know um <laughs> sorry that's off mic joke um <clears throat> but uh i think he's a, he's just a narcissist i don't think that there's really any evidence like he sees well i think there's a lot of evidence external to the text i mean it's a different world than ours it's a different world uh but we also had a close call with the russians you know in our in our cold war that never actually sparked and we didn't need an ozymandias to do yeah. what he did um we didn't need him to create uh ex <laughs> extra dimensional uh squid monsters to scare us into and and in the process kill millions of people we didn't need that so i think that that in itself is evidence to the fact that like ozymandias thinks he knows what's best but he doesn't necessarily and the risk he's taking with killing millions of people because he's so sure he's right um i think that's too far i think that's what makes him a villain um, and it, it, including uh, in the new show uh spoiler alert for the new show uh jeff i don't know if you've even seen i it, haven't so. I'm gonna skip ahead. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, skip, skip it, skip ahead thirty seconds. Hit that button, Jeff. Um, when at the end, when he ends up going against mm -hmm. Lady True, yeah, you, you have seen it, right, Matthew? Um, at the end, when he goes up against Lady True, it's because she wants the power of uh, of Doctor Manhattan, and 
he believes there's no way Lady True will do the right thing. And I think that's because he knows with absolute power there's no way he would do the right, right thing. And, like, that, that, there's an argument that can be had. Like, not Dr. Manhattan had this power all this time, and he hasn't destroyed yeah. the world. And and all Lady True is trying to do is she's like, you haven't done enough. I want this power so I can re- destroy our nuclear arsenal. Like, her plan is very sound. And, like, we all kind of like, ooh, no, we don't want anybody to have that power. But, like, again, there's, like, kind of evidence in the text that Dr. Man hadn't had that power for 50 years or whatever and didn't do anything horrible with it. Um, and it's it's sort of this, like, uh, he believes so hard. He is such a villain, and he... He knows that he would do bad things with that power. He trusts no one but himself to do to do right by the world, even though he very much does wrong things. Um, he's just a narcissist. I think that's just like <laughs> that's him in a nutshell. He's just an utter narcissist. It sounds a lot like the uh, the interpretation of Apocalypse that I have kind of cemented in my brain mm-hmm. uh, based on the movie and based on the headcanon rewrite that we've that I've done recently for Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's just based on his, <clears throat> if you remember in X-Men Apocalypse, uh, for the one time that you watch that, <laughs> if you remember his um, his his monologue when he took over uh, Charles's brain, kind of, and, you know, reached out to the world, he said, no more stones, no more slings, no more spears. And he was basically just taking away the... Um, you know, the all of the toys that you know that the humanity or that humanity in general could play with and and hurt each other right. with, uh, because they were not being responsible with it. So obviously they need to have their toys taken away. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really interesting thing, and it, it <clears throat> I, I I appreciate Matt the way you describe it as narcissism, and I think that that's accurate. And and, and to me, I, I I put it in slightly different terms, but very similar, which is hubris, which I think is the the. To me, one of the biggest dangers of having Absolutely. great power and thinking it gives you great responsibility is then thinking like, okay, so I need to decide and no one else ever gets to decide because I have this responsibility. Um, and Right. Well, that's – and that's a whole different thing. You ha- Do you have a responsibility to do the thing and do, do the decisions also rest right. on your shoulders, which is also a Sokovia Accords issue. It's like – they're not saying to the Avengers, you don't have responsibility to do things. We still want you to do things. We still want you to save the world, but we want to make the decisions for right. you on what you well, do and, and when think you do Part of why they're doing it is because another person who I think out of extreme narcissism and hubris decided that he knew best what would save the world and didn't need to talk to anybody about it, except maybe Bruce Banner, was Tony Stark. Like Ultron, to me, is very much right. a creation of Tony Stark falling <clears throat> You know, in some ways, like you want to talk about the balance, all you need to do is follow the story of Tony Stark because he goes to both extremes so frequently Um, because, you know, on the one hand, he says, like, I have, you know, it is all my responsibility in part because he thinks like he caused some of the problems that happened before. And Ultron to me is what Ultron to me is his giant squid monster in a way Um, or his, you know, it's his attempt to say, like, I have this power. And I feel like part of why I judge both him and Ozymandias so harshly is if if you exist in a world where you're the only superhero, I understand the thought of, like, no one else can do this. No, but Ozymandias has all the other Watchmen. I mean, they're mostly kind of incompetent, but, you know, he sort of – he technically has them. <laughs> um, you know, the Owlman is going to – Mr. Hooters, as I like to call him. Um, you know, he's not going to do much, but, but theoretically the others are. 
Um, and Tony Stark, certainly. I mean, he's got Captain America. He's got Bruce Banner. He's got all these other great people. And to me, that's where the narcissism hubris really comes in, is when he says, like, no, I still have to do this and everyone else be damned. Well, that's the thing, is they still got all these other people that are, you know, even if they're not as powerful and maybe they, they're incompetent, like, physically, they're still smart people who have a, a moral center and a moral compass. And they're, they're still, they can still serve as a sounding board right. of what should happen and what, you know, what is wrong or right. Right, because I think, in part, they can help you help you see the biases that you're missing. You know, the things that a Fisk or a Killmonger or an Ozymandias or Tony Stark that they're not thinking about. If you're accountable to others, you you can you can have other people saying, "Hey, wait a minute, you're missing out on this part." You know. Um. So I think that's a good good way of talking about villains. I'm just because we're going for a while, and I want to make sure we cover a couple other topics. Um. So, what are you, what are some of the factors you think that can change? how much responsibility you think a, a person does or doesn't have. And I guess the place I wanted to start with is does the way in which they get the power, do you think change how much responsibility they do or don't have? Hmm. Like, like if they chose the power, is that yeah, kind of like, what you're getting yeah, at? If they sought the power or... out versus having the power thrust upon them by a, a science experiment accident. Right. Like some, like to me, someone like Luke Cage, hmm. I think of as someone who never wanted this power fought against it. Does that, does that give him any of a, not excuse, but like, does that give him somewhat of an out about the responsibility in a way that someone like Tony Stark or, or Captain America or others who actively sought out that power don't necessarily have? Oof. I mean, that's, that's a dangerous question to ask because if you say, you know, everybody who has, like, if you have power at all, then you have a responsibility, then you could easily say that, uh, you know, somebody who, thrust power upon other people uh, forces them to have responsibility for other, you know, for others Mm. in society. And that's not fair to those people who didn't want those powers to begin with. Yeah. I mean, to me, have either of you seen Umbrella Academy? Yes. Okay. No, I want to see it soon. I'll skip it. It is so good. Jeff, maybe you and I should talk about it on Panda Watch at some point because another season of that's coming out, but I'll just, I'll just say this in the most broad terms to not spoil anything. A big part of that story is the idea of this person who literally seeks out babies he thinks are going to have great power and teaches slash forces them to become superheroes without any regard to their own personal lives or choices. Um, Doesn't even give them names. Yeah, and Jeff, I think it's a great example of what you're talking about. Of Like, he's just, you know, nope, you have no choice in this. You have this power. I think you have the responsibility, and so I'm not going to give you any, any choice in it whatsoever. So, yeah, I, mm. I, I do feel like that – I feel like it excuses it somewhat. Not excuses, but it, it, it changes how much responsibility a person has. But then in Luke Cage, I mean, he spends a lot of that show fighting against the responsibility, but he does eventually take it up, right? The, the second half of this last season notwithstanding. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, like, what do you think of Luke Cage's decision? Because mm. he does eventually decide, like, he does have this responsibility. I think that if you have something like that thrust upon you, that you don't, you don't necessarily have to have, you don't, you don't necessarily have the absolute responsibility of using that power because it's not something you sought out. It's not something that you wanted. It was, it was forced upon you. It was not your choice, but the moment that you step up to try to do something for someone else, or the moment that you, that you do take on a responsibility you you 
at least should start looking at yourself as, you know, maybe I've got more responsibility uh, to my fellow man than I thought that I did previously. Because, you know, doing it ad hoc, you know, every now and again, only when it suits you is also selfish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it's an interesting way to see it. Um, I definitely feel like Luke Cage is one who, I kind of mentioned this before, winds up kind of deciding to do it on his own terms. Um, and, and I mean, he certainly takes a turn at the end of season two that we can talk about, uh, in terms of how this fit, that fits into this. But Luke at least does feel yeah. like he, I, I don't remember if he actually says this at one point, but I sort of get the sense from him throughout season one is he's kind of saying like, okay, I'll be the hero, but I'm not going to be the hero. Other people want me to be, I'm going to be a hero on my own terms. Yeah. Hero is your word, not mine. Yeah. Does he actually say that? That's something that he, I, I'm pretty sure he says that. Uh, and Jessica says that. Yeah. Ah, man. And, like, there was there was so much with Luke Cage on, like, responsibility. And, like, if he's, if he's showing off the way that he was at the beginning of season two and, you know, taking videos and, like, throwing tires around and, you know, running faster, you know, him, him say him faster than Usain Bolt. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, if he's doing that, like, that, you know, you should step up. If you're saying to the world that you exist and you have all these powers, like, you should probably do something about it instead of just showing yeah. off. I think it's a good point, Jeff. And I think maybe to illustrate both this and I think the other thing that changes responsibility is if you compare someone like Luke Cage to someone like Danny Rand, Iron Fist. Because to me, they're polar opposites in a couple of ways where, A, Danny Rand really sought out the power that he wanted. You know, he went and fought to become the dragon. Um, and also Danny Rand, just because of the different places they hold in our society, has much more response, has much more like safety to some extent. Like, you know, rich white man decides to become a vigilante is going to be treated very differently by the cops and by the media than angry black man as he's going to be portrayed, you know? And so I feel like some yeah. of my favorite uh, scenes are when Luke and um, Danny Rand are talking to each other. And to some extent, both of them call the other out. Because they kind of recognize the very different places they hold and, and that they have a very different approach to responsibility for, I think, understandable reasons. And I think I will always – I'm glad Luke becomes a hero, but at least in my mind, Danny Rand has much more of a responsibility to become a hero. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I have to agree that Danny Rand and Luke Cage being together is probably where they're best. You know, they should probably do a, a show just about those That'd be two. A fun idea. Did anyone ever write mm-hmm. something like that, or was there ever a thought? In... <laughs> you know, I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> one, one more way in which I'm so annoyed that we lost out on the the Marvel Netflix because I I do think we were going to get that, and maybe we still will on Disney Plus, but who knows? I hope so. I hope we get Heroes really for Hire. So. That would be great. Yep. That would because Heroes for Hire could could expand outside of uh, just power man and iron fist you know it, it's got here's for hire had so many other heroes that were you know for hire right. so that could introduce anybody well you know? i have not read any of the comics but i feel mm-hmm. like even that name kind of is an interesting push on this because you think like of all the reasons a person a hero is supposed to do the things that they do to get paid generally is not considered one of the most heroic <laughs> motivations and yet like you do got to make a buck Although Danny Rand should have a buck to some extent. But, like, I, I'm wondering, yeah. in the comic, do they ever explore that? Like, the degree to which the, their willingness to take on clients who can't hire them, who can't pay them? Uh, I think Jessica Jones does that more. Um, 
They definitely do. Uh, we re- we read one uh, Luke Cage comic, and and th- it's often that he's being hired by someone who can't really afford it, and he just kind of works it sense. out or whatever. But I do think that they they like in a lot of these com- comics and TV shows where the <laughs> Angel is one where they they get hired, uh, which I always enjoyed. Um, and, it, and he like has like a sliding scale where if the person's rich, he makes them pay. And if the person's like poor, that, yeah. he doesn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, if they can afford it, he still helps anyone that comes to ha- ask him for help. Uh, but there are definitely some episodes of, um, of that show, uh, of, of angel where he has to go, uh, this guy can't pay or like they have to deal with that when he starts to, Oh yeah. I think it's like when he has a kid, he has a kid and he starts to have to like have money for, uh-huh. diapers and stuff and he starts to be like "Ooh, can you pay i don't know if <laughs> yeah. i can take this case i need we need to get a payday i've, I've got to build a nest for my kid to live in like it's that classic well, thing no, it's really pretty funny soon we're gonna have an episode coming out about um espionage and specifically the tv show burn notice and one of my favorite parts of that show is that in theory they always have clients but probably half their clients can't afford to pay and you have debates between the characters about like you know some of them are a lot grumpier than others about taking on these people who can't pay but they always still do so um so yeah that, those are fun dynamics yeah um that's fun let's kind of start um are there any other characters who just kind of, we, we've established a lot of the different ideas that go into why you do or don't have responsibility and what are the dangers um are there any specific characters who we haven't gotten into who we think are interesting to talk about in terms of where they fall on this how, how do they live up to the responsibility do they live up to it too much H- how do we feel about them I think that there are certain situations where maybe somebody should not take on responsibility, mm. you know, even though they have power. Uh, people like the Hulk or Moon Knight or Sentry, uh, if we're if we're talking Marvel, like Moon Knight is a paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, specifically, he's got dissociative personality disorder, where one of those personalities is a hero, like. Maybe he should seek out help for that. <laughs> you know, when the Hulk rages out uh, and, and gets super strong, yeah, he can take on the threats that are in front of him, but he also has a high likelihood of destroying everything around yeah. him and potentially hurting a lot of people. I mean, Sentry becomes the void when things get too rough and he's like he's mentally breaking down pretty much all the time. Like these terrifying things to have in, in the world, like maybe maybe they should be benched for a little bit. I mean, to me, yeah, maybe, back. maybe there should be something other than just power in that conversation. Maybe like, I was thinking about this earlier, like what does power mean? And clearly the Hulk has power, but there's certain jobs that he's not good for. Um, and, and so you kind of have to have power, but also control. And also like, you have to be right yeah. for the job. You know what I mean? Like every, Every to every to, to hammer everything looks like a nail. You know that that phrase like to Hulk everything looks like an opportunity to smash. So whereas stars. like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's a really good point, and it gets back to actually where I where I keep going with these arguments, which is Civil War, because I feel like Scarlet Witch to me is a great example of someone who has great power. And here I'm, I'm not sure I blame her as much as I blame Captain America for putting her in the field, but. She hasn't quite learned how to use that power responsibly, you know, in terms of how to minimize collateral damage. Um, and I think that's an interesting idea with all these characters of is is part when we when we say responsibility, is that responsibility to use your power or is it responsibility to to know how to temper your power or to know how to um, 
you know, balance the power, that kind of thing. To know when to not use your power. Exactly. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's, I guess, a great point. That, that, that responsibility word may mean different things. Means you have the responsibility to have discretion. Any other characters we want to? I know we want to kind of try to wrap up pretty soon, but any others we want to um, touch on here? Can't think of any. Squirrel girl. <laughs> I admit. You have a responsibility to show me you beating the villain in the panels, not off screen. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, I, I haven't watched as much Agents of Shield in a while, so I'm not really sure what. But I feel like to some extent this is a big thing for Sky Daisy. Um, you know, in terms of like her coming to understand her power and coming to decide like what is her responsibility and who is her responsibility to. I I don't know. I I don't know if I've uh, I've seen it. I feel like she's been a pretty uh, on the Ben Parker train mm-hmm. pretty early. Even even when she didn't have power, like didn't have actual quake powers, she's in the van trying to do what she can to tell yeah, the truth. You know, time. she's she's a pretty Yeah, I think it's it's a good point. She she well, she yeah. always has it. It's just, it's in some ways I feel like um, it, it, again, I haven't seen season one in a while, but isn't this kind of part of the debate that Coulson and her have? Is Coulson is saying, like, you have a responsibility to use your powers in this other way instead of in this, like, one person blogging in a van kind of thing? Hmm. He definitely uh, wants to kind of get her to level up and use the use the she, well, it's interesting because basically she is trying to bring down S.H.I.E.L.D. Because S.H.I.E.L.D. is a secret and she wants to, like, reveal right. it or whatever, it seems like. or, or and, uh, and and then they're trying to uh, they're trying to get her to work with them and use their use her powers for their purposes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's and interesting. I think, it gets into, I think it's one more factor for all of this is the idea of, um, you know, with great power comes responsibility. And part of that's like, how much do you know? You know, that sometimes you can only see a small picture and so you think my responsibility is to do this, but actually there's you know, as as happens with Daisy and, and Colson, like there's so much that Daisy doesn't realize at that point. Or Sky at that point, I realize as her name is. Um yeah. well, cool, there's been a good discussion. Any kind so so where did where does it kinda of leave you off? How how would you what, what do you think would be your like best interpretation at this point of of the Ben Parker maxim as it should apply to heroes? Well, it depends I, on the hero. <laughs> I think it's generally like the Ben, the Ben actually, if we're going to, as it applies to heroes, but also just as it applies to anyone, I think it's generally a good rule of thumb, but there are exceptions and there are limitations to it. And anytime, any, any axiom like that, where it's just like, Hey, this is the thing. This is the answer. Like you gotta, there's just, that's never true. There's always caveats. There's always exceptions. And I think we've gone yeah. over a lot of them today, which I, I feel like mostly what we did on this uh, episode that we push back on the idea that with great power comes great responsibility, which I think <laughs> yeah. it, it was the point. Like, is he right? Like, we're really trying to examine yeah. that. And I think that's, yeah, it's a great thing to teach children. I think it's a great thing for us to feel as adults, but it's something that we have to watch ourselves so we don't become these various yeah. types of villains. Well, I think it's a great, I mean, to me, this is what ethics is all about. And this is what I think these stories are all about is to take the maxims that we believe and to complicate them so much, you know, um, on the first day of my first uh, course in uh, the first class I took in ethics in grad school, the professor was asking us, like, what is or is not a moral act? And one of the first things she said is, if I take a knife and cut you open, is that a moral act? And, of course, everyone was like, no, of course not. And she says, what if I'm a doctor and I'm taking out your bloated appendix? And we were like, oh, <laughs> OK, well, yeah. You know, and that, that's the idea is that, like, it, there are so many different actions that can look so different based on the context. And I think 
I think you're right. Part of what we've done here is to kind of push back somewhat. But I also think it's that we've broadened out this idea of with great power comes responsibility. But what is the responsibility? The responsibility towards humanity, towards the planet, towards yourself, towards your family. Is it responsibility to use your power or to be thoughtful in how you use your power or to be tempered in how you use your power? That it's, you know, there's all sorts of different levels we can think about this on. I think the the yeah. next step of this discussion is to talk about mutants. How so? You... Uh, because these are people that it's not just that they have power thrust upon them. It's that they, you know, they've had this dormant all along and they get changed in a way to where society hates them, but they also have a power. But is it right for Xavier to, you know, have an academy where he's training uh, a hit squad almost? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For, uh, for these people, like, do they have a responsibility to be uh, heroes with this power if they, you know, again, if they never wanted it? Like, these are children. Yeah. These are children. Well, like, it, it, it goes back to um one of my favorite TV shows that I know is not really well watched. I don't think either of you have seen it. But Babylon 5 um, is, is very interesting science fiction. In a lot of ways, it's a take on Star Trek. But one of the things it really goes into is what if you have a whole bunch of people who have the power of mind control? Well, okay people running around in mind control with mind control powers can really screw up the world. So we're going to put a whole bunch of limitations on them in terms of like their ability to do, um, you know, they can't go to gambling establishments and stuff like that. And like, that makes sense. But also, is it fair to them, you know, to limit them just because they have this power they didn't choose. So, well, cool. This has yeah. been a great discussion. Um, thank you both so much for taking part. Um, to those who are listening, uh, thank you as always. What are your thoughts on this? Who are, um, what do you think? Is Ben Parker right? Uh, are, are some of these maxims actually more accurate than we've talked about? Um, what do you think about what we said? What are your own takes on it? We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, at Superhero Ethics. You can email us at superheroethics at gmail.com. Uh, and I know both of these folks have a lot of great things that they're putting out into the world um, that are places where you can connect with them and also hear their other thoughts. So, um, Matt, why don't you start? Tell us more about um, where people can hear more of your, your stuff going on. Well, uh, we very as we talk about this, it's it's it, we're only a couple days away from having it all set up where you can really find stuff easily. But uh, strandedpanda.com is is the, our network, uh, which I'm sure you've yep. mentioned here on the cast. And you know, uh, strandedpanda.com is the network that houses superhero ethics and the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, which is probably the easiest thing to go listen to if you're a podcast listener, which obviously you are. You're in the second hour of this uh, of this here podcast so i'm assuming you listen <laughs> to podcasts so uh nah. check out the marvel cinematic universe podcast but uh but the strandedpanda.com is where we have all of our different podcasts uh, that kind of cover all, a lot of the gamut at this point we're doing a lot of different things a lot of tv and movies and ethics and um music uh, which is my other thing that i do as i do music for a living and uh i have a my name is Matthew Carroll. You can find me on Spotify, Apple, Google, all those things. Or uh, my band is called The Garage, and we just put out a Star Trek album called Earl Grey Hot. So if you like uh, Star Trek, check that out. And I've got another Star Trek-based uh, album nice. coming out real soon. So, uh, so all of that, strandedpanda.com. Check it all out. And Jeff? <clears throat> well, I uh, I co-host that Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. We, uh, we talk about, you know, so much. And... Um, Mr. West Fox and I are uh, are big fans of the Star Wars universe, and we do the Star Wars universe podcast. Um, I'm one of the several co-hosts. <laughs> a you rotating have there. chair. And I think you're 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 yeah, getting yeah, a, yeah. a new podcast started, right? 
I am. I'm, uh, I'm building out a, a new podcast that is focused on uh, kind of headcanoning better stories out of movies and scripts that have failed us, um, that had a good story to begin with, but just somewhere went off the rails uh, with a, a new co-host uh, that I, that I, sorry, with a new co-host that I work with uh, every day at the office. We're basically framing it to be a, a water cooler discussion, nice. so to speak. Cool. We'll look forward to that. Um, and folks, um, links to all those podcasts uh, and all the great work that both Matt and Jeff do is all going to be in the show notes. Check them out. All part of the Shet, uh, Stranded Panda podcast network. Some that I'm on, some that are just other great works and that really inspired me as a podcast podcaster. If you're a, a fan of any of these kind of media, this is a great way to listen to it to, uh, um, to really get to dive back in. And you'll even find yourself probably wanting to watch some things you didn't think you'd watch just to, to hear different perspectives on it. So Matt, Jeff, fantastic conversation as always. Thank you so much. To our fans, thank you so much for being a part of this, and have a good day. Until next time, true believers. <laughs> Wrong podcast, oh, Sorry, allow it. damn it. One last thing I want to announce is that um, the Stranded Panda Podcast Network does a really great job of everyone supporting each other. Um, and this week I'm really happy that um, Matt and Jeff have said that this podcast, Superhero Ethics Podcast, is the one they want to focus on. So what that means is from uh, today until the end of next week, if you write a review for Superhero Ethics um, on iTunes is the best way to do it, but anywhere else you can. Uh, if you write a five-star review for Superhero Ethics, say a little bit about what you like about the podcast, why you want to give it a good review. You'll be entered into a drawing just with the people who review Superhero Ethics, and the winner of that gets their choice of either a Superhero Ethics t-shirt or an MCU t-shirt. Um, so it's a great chance to win, and you'll also, for every review you write, uh, also be entered into a larger drawing to get the Avengers video game that is coming out for a number of different platforms in the fall of this year. Um, so if you write a review for Superhero Ethics, give us five stars, and, and then, you know, just t take say a sentence or two about what you like. You can't just say, I'm doing this for the t-shirt. you got to actually say something about the podcast. Uh, it's a great way to help the podcast. It helps us grow, and it gives you a chance to, to win something from, uh, from our friends here at the MCU Podcast. Um, so I hope you'll take part in that. And if you don't think we deserve five stars, well, I'd still love to hear a, uh, a review from you. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we could change. All these things help us improve the podcast, help us grow the network, help us bring you the kind of content that makes you sign up for. So with that in mind, Jeff, Matt, thank you so much for being our guests today. Thank you so much for um, taking part in this uh, uh, support of my podcast uh, and this review drive. Uh, it's been great having you. Great conversation to all of our fans. Thank you so much. Write those reviews. Send in your thoughts. Send in your comments. We'd love to keep talking to you. Have a great day.